You're listening to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, Asheville's premier soccer podcast. Hey Blues, Tim here from the podcast, hoping this finds you well, healthy, socially distanced, and washing your hands. Just wanted to pass along a note before this pod. The audio on it was recorded over a phone call as opposed to our typical Skype or Zoom calls. So that kind of contributed to the audio quality. We did the best we could to clean it up, but it's still a little rough and raw. Just for any of you audio files out there, just wanted to let you know that we obviously are aware that it was rough. But as today was supposed to be the kickoff, we uh, you know, wanted to get a little bit of content out to you. Um, keep an eye on our socials and on the uh, podcast feed, and we'll be getting some more out to you soon. Thanks, everyone. guys welcome back to another episode of you're smarter than us so as we sit here on monday april 20th we are supposed to be a few days away from the Asheville city soccer club's kickoff celebration at highwire brewing this was going to take place on thursday it's going to be a night of revelry where we were celebrating Coach Mick's promotion, Coach Stacy coming back, the move to League Two, a small victory with the memorial renovations. We had a new season ticket mechanism. We had scheduled double headers. And I truly believe that it was going to be a night that at the end of the season we were going to look back on um, after a pair of successful seasons and the expansion of the Just Play initiative and the AC Academy, we're going to look back and really view it as a night that it all started, that the night that we truly, truly kicked off an unbelievable summer that Asheville was always going to remember. And unfortunately, instead, we sit here now and we are worried about things like washing our hands and we're worried about you know, being sheltered in place and staying safe. And we unfortunately are presented with a season, a summer um, where soccer has been canceled for Asheville. So I I welcome to the podcast club president, Brian Kelly. And again, this conversation, um, I really hemmed and hawed with how it was going to take place, what we were going to talk about. And I I just don't know that we can bury the lead. So um, how are you, Ryan? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Good. How's um how's Cassie and the kids? Doing well, all things considered. It's uh it's kind of a new normal for us. Um but we haven't killed each other yet, so so far so good. <laughs> well, um it's hard enough for everybody, but I can only imagine what it's like having two young kids in the house. So um Brian, again, like I said, I I just can't help but not bury the lead on this. Um on March twenty third, uh, Asheville City Soccer Club put out a very strongly worded statement, a very strongly worded um, press release to their fans and to the city and, and honestly, just to the soccer community across the country. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Asheville City was the first um, sporting organization club team in any league that plays on a national scale. It's not just an adult, you know, within the city or something. And Asheville City stated their intent to cancel their season, not to participate in the upcoming League Two and WPSL season. Can you talk us through what the um, nine owners, what the thought process was for that decision? Sure, definitely. Uh, first, let me say, um, 
that we we certainly share your disappointment and and having to make the decision that we did. Um, although that we feel it is the right decision, and we still do. Um, I think you're right in that I feel that we were building towards a pretty special season. Um, I thought we had positioned ourselves well for success. Um, and ultimately, it's disappointing now that we're not able to to see the culmination of a lot of hard work in the off offseason. Um, the decision that we made uh, was multifaceted and evolved over time. I, I think the process began um, as we saw uh, bans on large gatherings happening both at the city level and uh, thereafter um, across the state. I, I think Asheville actually was ahead of the state on that, if my memory serves. Um, so obviously, you know, as a as a sporting organization, something like that catches your attention, um, and you begin to think about the implications and the timeline. And for us, um, and with our relationship with the city and Memorial State being, being such a significant part of what we do, that's where those conversations um, began. Uh, soon after, we we began to think about the implications of, on the player pool. Um, obviously, the, the health and well-being of our players is our primary concern, and I think the nature of what we do in that our players are coming to us, um, you know, their, their college teams largely are their, their primary um, affiliation. So um, we knew that the dynamic of possibly bringing those players in would be different this year, given the, given the circumstances, both from a willingness of the colleges to release their players to participate in something like this, um, we saw on the women's side in particular where the spring college seasons were lost and a lot of programs were looking at the summer as a way to make up, potentially make up for lost time. And so players that may have been available a few months prior are no longer uh, available. So that was on our radar, you know, the implications on, you know, our staff and our players, in addition to the implications of, of hosting large events with, with our fans. I think the... Ultimately, the factor that led us to act when we did, you mentioned we were we were pretty early on this, is when we began to saw the economic implications with uh, so many of our, our sponsors, our community partners. Um, I don't think it's a secret that we rely on, on sponsorship dollars to, to make this thing go. Uh, and we we saw a situation developing where in order to make this work financially, we were going to have to, you know, keep hold our sponsors to our agreements at, at a time when a lot of our sponsors were just trying to figure out how to keep the doors open and not lay off their staff. So we were kind of faced with this situation, um, a really a lose-lose situation where in order for us to do what we do, we were essentially putting our, our partners in a financial position to have to choose between upholding their sponsor commitment and retaining staff, uh, our neighbors. And that's not something that we wanted to do. So once once we knew that, we knew that the season was unfeasible. We felt like getting out in front um, and removing the uncertainty, you know, there's so much uncertainty in the world right now. And um, as little a part that we play in it, we didn't want to be another contributing factor to that uncertainty. So once, the, once it was clear, we made the decision that we wanted to um, – cancel the season or withdraw from, from our leagues, 
Um, we communicated that to both leagues, and uh, we're very thankful that we have the cooperation of the leagues and understanding of our situation and helping us to get to a point where we could go public and, and get this done even ahead of the timelines of the leagues. Um, so, to, you know, for that, we're very thankful to USL and the WPSL. So that's a little bit of background on on the decision and, and how we got there. Like I said, there were there were many elements, and the the safety of everyone involved was the primary concern. Um, but there were many factors that played into the decision ultimately. What was the reaction of the two different leagues? As in, we have not seen still almost a um, universal response from the League Two. I believe the Northwest. Um, or the uh, uh, yeah Northwest Division has canceled as a whole. Some of the California leagues have canceled as a whole. One or two other clubs have. Um, the entirety of the NPSL has canceled. And then I don't believe I've actually seen any WPSL clubs cancel. If anything, I just continue to see WPSL and UWS um clubs announce new players. <laughs> and then there's been some conferences and some clubs who have just flatly stated, uh, we will be playing this summer. Um, we will, we do intend to kick a ball at some point. What has the reaction been from the league that is showing clubs like Asheville City the deference to make that decision while also potentially supporting the clubs that want to forge ahead? Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of it's kind of become a a cliche to say that these are unprecedented times. I can't you know, I can't tell you how many times we all we've all heard that over the last couple of months, but but it is true and I think that, you know, the leagues were trying to figure this out the same way the clubs were. Um and they're they're different in um, you know, what's important in making that decision, but obviously they're related. You know, like I said, the the leagues were supportive of of what we felt we had to do. I, I think it's important to distinguish here that at the level that we're at in both leagues, um, we're, we're a little bit of an anomaly in that I think we're more dependent on the hosting large events with mass gatherings than the vast majority of the other clubs. And that's not a knock on other clubs. It's just simply to point out that I think, you know, what led, led us to make our decision you know, we, we probably weighed other factors more heavily than some other clubs are. And I think for the leagues, you know, it's important for them to, you know, put a policy in place that works for as many clubs as possible. So we certainly didn't expect the leagues to adopt a policy that caters to us, especially when, you know, we're pretty clearly in the minority as far as business model goes in these, in these leagues. Um, and I, over the last week or so, I think we've seen how a lot of the professional leagues are working on plans to potentially play, you know, behind closed doors. Um, for us, that's not something that we wanted to do. That doesn't work for us. Um, for other teams in the league, you know, maybe maybe it is a possibility for them. So I think that might explain um, their messaging and maybe their reluctance to to take the same course of action that we did. Again, there's no way to react to any of this without leading with that and then kind of having this flavor everything that comes after this. So there, the Celso Blues held a fantastic 
um, question and answer session at Old London Road back in February that you and a few of the other owners came. I think Coach Mick came, and you guys were so gracious with your time and answered the many questions that I didn't even think you guys were going to answer. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a plug for that because once we can start having those again, you got to come to those to um, hear some of the answers and ask your questions. But I'm going to repeat some of those now that, um, you know, we're a few months ahead, but now with this new circumstance kind of framing some of these. So uh, first and foremost, I've heard from several fans. Um, will Highwire be putting out a Bluebeard IPA this summer? Uh, no, I do not believe that they will. You know, one of the, um, as I mentioned, the implications to our partners was a huge part of our decision making, and we, we, we tried to be to keep them abreast of, of where we were in the process. Um, because I, and I think we've seen from Highwire that they've been really innovative in this time and kind of uh, adapting their business model to fit the the current environment. Mm-hmm. Um, they were certainly one of our partners, and as, as our title sponsor, a huge part of who we are, and they have been from the beginning, and something we're, you know, incredibly sensitive to, and, and want to be supportive of them. You know, they they had to get creative to to to, um, to keep things going in, in a time like this, and um, you know, I, I'm not sure of you know how the decision was made on their end, but you know, I didn't want them to be stuck with a bunch of cans um, because, you know, th- that, that beer is really centered around the games themselves. You know, we have the schedule mm-hmm. on the can, so they kind of go hand in hand. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the decision was made, you know, not to, not to have that because we couldn't have the games that, that go so nicely with, with that product. Um, but I, I, I don't know all the, the, the ins and outs behind that decision. That was mostly their decision. So does does the cancellation of the season is it going to impact um, the different contracts that the club has? So for example, I believe it was at the very tail end of last season there was an announcement that Highwire would remain the title sponsor for X amount of years, um, or that we had a kit contract with Nike for an X amount of years. Does this season count against that? Is there a suspension, a hiatus of that contract, and it just carries forward? That's a great question. You know, I think one of the things that this situation has brought about is um, at every level, um, understanding the legal implications of these contracts. Um, You know, very, very few of them have pandemic clauses in them. Um, So, it it kind of varies depending on you know what level we're we're talking about. Um, you know, a lot of our contracts are are based on on years and not seasons. Um, so, uh, in some situations, I would say yes, we'll be able to add on. In others, I would say no, we will need new agreements. Um, and part of our uh, an aspect of our decision was you know wanting to make this decision to free up our partners to take care of what's important right now, you know, making sure that they can retain their staffs and keep the doors open as, um, as a measure of, of goodwill. And, and hopefully that our sponsors are able to recover quickly and, and re-engage with us and, and continue what we all hope are long-term partnerships. Um, 
So I'm sure it'll be a mixed bag. I'm sure that, you know, we'll be doing a lot of sitting down and renegotiating new deals, which is something that we do on kind of a revolving basis anyway. Um, You never want to um, work on the next deal after the prior deal has expired. You want to do that while you're still, you know, covered. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it has been interesting in looking at how it will be affected, um, and it's something that we want to be proactive about in in ensuring that, you know, we, we are renewing as many of our, our partnerships as we can. So that's that's what Asheville City has with uh, contracts with external organizations and companies and sponsors. What about the contracts that Asheville City has within itself, such as Coach Mick and Coach Johnny with the Academy? What What happens to those contracts? Have you begun those conversations? We have not sat down with um, staff yet to have that conversation, although I'm, I'm sure we will before the end of the summer so that everyone has clarity on what the uh, what's on the horizon. You know, a lot of our all of our coaches begin planning for the next season um, well before, you know, we're into the fall. Um, so that's something that we'll, we'll certainly look to do. Um, unfortunately, we have a lot of time now during the summer to to sit down and have those conversations, whereas, you know, probably not something we would have done in the middle of the season. Um, but that's also something that we'll be looking to to clarify. What happens with season tickets and jerseys? Yeah, so I think, as I mentioned, this is obviously a really disappointing situation, but I think if, if there's anything encouraging, it has been the response to the season ticket situation. You know, I think, I think a lot of small businesses – are you know we're in are in very um, interesting and and um, dire financial situations and for us making this decision we were able to avoid a lot of the expenses that come with the season by getting out in front of this um, one of the, you know one of the largest liabilities that we we had were um, season ticket members for the 2020 season. Um, so we, we put out a program the same day that we announced the, the cancellation that for every season ticket holder that tra- simply transferred their season tickets the next season, um, we would make a, a $10 donation to Mana Food Bank on their behalf. And I'm, I'm happy to report that over 90% of our season ticket holders took us up on that offer. Um, so we were able to make uh, over $1,500 contribution to Mana Food Bank, which has provided over 6,000 meals for those in need locally. Um, and at the same time, it has helped the club stay in a uh, financially strong position. So we're, we're at a point where there's no doubt about our future. We will 100% be back next season and beyond, largely due to the uh, support and backing of our season ticket holders. Um, so, you know, obviously, not an ideal situation, but, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for a more encouraging response from our season ticket holders in both support of the club and, by extension, support of uh, our local community in need. What can we expect in terms of engagement for both this summer? And I know one of the last times we spoke, um, I also stressed that um, not just myself, but others also thought that there was a bit of a dormant period in general um, with summer league teams and amateur clubs, uh, not specifically just with Asheville, but it, it's just a common 
challenge that a lot of clubs run into, obviously. You know, when you're not generating funds, it's hard to spend funds to try to keep keep the club on the tip of the tongue of the fan base. And this kind of doubles and triples down on that entire concept. Um, You know, just down the hill from us, we've obviously got the Asheville Taurus, who I – to be perfectly honest, I would not be shocked if they don't play a season whatsoever. Now, obviously, they're, whether they furlough their staff, their players, one way or another, are subsidized and paid for by the parent club. Um, but And they, they're already kind of coming out with different items, whether it be social media campaigns or, um, you know, they're doing much the same as the club is in terms of um, uh, – giving back to the community, but they, they've got a built-in mechanism that can kind of help them out as their season was already a little bit longer and they kind of have their fingers in different pies. What is Asheville City specifically looking at to try to remain omnipresent in eyes of their supporters? Yeah, I think it's a huge challenge, and it's something that has kind of dominated our conversation since we've made the decision on, you know, what what does this look like for us? Um, it's a challenge in a couple of respects. It's one, an, an organization that is based almost entirely on getting people together and um, and, pl- and playing, you know, in, in a large setting. Whether that's, you know, whether we're playing Memorial Stadium or whether we're, you know, trying to do a street soccer event or having a launch party. All of them involve getting people together, which is now um, off the table. Uh, secondly, is just the the size of the organization and, and, and resource allocation, um, and the ability to generate content in general. I, you know, a lot of a lot of teams in a higher level professional leagues have done a really you know wonderful job of um, pivoting and providing a lot of content. Um, but they have a lot of staff to do that. They have a lot of a uh, backlog of content to work with. Um, I was really impressed with what the Masters did last week and what would have been Masters week. They did a really nice job of kind of making the best of a bad situation as far as an online presence that was really engaging. So there's a lot of really good models out there to to emulate. Um, It's just just trying to scale that to what we're we're capable of. Um, But we do have um, – we're working on several ideas of ways to to fill the space. Um, I one that I'm working on in particular right now is kind of a, a profile of the history of soccer in Asheville and the aspects of that history that, that made this community what it is and such a strong soccer community before Asheville City Soccer Club ever existed. Um, there's such a rich history there, so we'll be engaging with the key figures in a lot of those elements and um, trying to share that story through our platforms. Um so you know that's just one one piece of a, a larger conversation we're having about um, how to both fill what would have been this season, but also uh, you alluded to this in your question that even in normal times we have a very short season and a very long off season where it's much harder to engage. Um, the club is trying to move in a direction to where we do have more of a, a year-round presence. And I felt like we were making uh, a big step in that direction uh, this year before, you know, a wrench was kind of thrown in that plan. Um, 
but it is something that's on our mind and something that, that we want to do a better job of and having more of a, a year-round presence rather than just a three-month um, kind of summer and then and then nine months of, of dormancy. Do you have an update on Memorial Stadium and the renovations, and do you believe that the city, from from your knowledge or just from what you've seen from the behind, not, not necessarily the behind the scenes, but from the conversations that you may have had with decision makers, the bond that was voted on in 2016 um, had an expiration date on it. And it seems to me that we're closely cl- approaching that expiration date. Not that that can't be extended, not that there can't be actions taken that kind of um, meet the requirements of we're using this because we're in planning phase or we're taking bids or we're, we're doing something like that. But where where are we in that process? Yeah, so thinking back to the end of last season as we were moving into um, into August, we kind of put a, a call to arms to our supporters to show up at uh, a public input session at Stevens Lee that went really, really well, I think the city would have to say that the overwhelming response, the overwhelming sentiment they received from that session was that Asheville City Soccer Club belongs in Memorial Stadium. And it really changed the trajectory of um, the city's approach to the project. The the plan going into this season, and this was never officially communicated to me by the city, which is another story, but the plan going into the season was to use this season as an opportunity to take in more information to uh, figure out, based on the use of the stadium, trying to uh, renovate the stadium in a way that complements the use and addresses all of the concerns of all of the uh, interested parties, whether it's the soccer club, whether it's all the other user groups that use the stadium, whether it's the local residents. So the plan was to use this year as a test to gather additional information. And that timeline worked with the bond fund expiring timeline. Now that this season won't happen, uh, to be honest, I I don't know where that stands. And I don't think the city knows where that stands either. And I think rightfully so, they're occupied with uh, more pressing matters at the moment. But we have have formally placed an inquiry with the city to give us an update on where that stands and where um, where that plan uh, is going to shift because I, because you're right that there is there is an end date here that we have to be mindful of and uh, this season certainly didn't do us any favors in, in helping us reach a conclusion and it's possible that you know we may not be able to just do the same thing next year depending on the timeline so. Um, the short answer is we don't know exactly, but we have, um, I guess we've done our part to uh, put it on the city to let us know where we stand um, as far as next steps. And again, if this had been a traditional season and we were looking at the kickoff in four days and we were looking at our first friendly on the ninth, there would have been tons of questions about um, why you chose certain kit designs and why we chose to um, schedule double headers and how
whether it was going to impact those things. Um, I think one of the things, uh, even the season ticket options were different than in years past. And one of the things that I was most impressed by was at the end of last season, um, the club itself proactively sought out feedback in a way that it may not have the previous three seasons and you didn't just accept that feedback. You actually enacted a bunch of it, and I was very impressed by that. But it would be – I would kind of be derelict in my responsibilities here as the podcast says not to at least ask one last question about um, the decision to move to League Two and what was the inspiration about that and what the thought process was that led from um, – or leaving – the NPSL moving to League Two. Sure, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a, a good question, one that deserves um, some attention. Um, it feels so long ago now. <laughs> I know. That, that feels <laughs> ages ago. Um, but there were there were several factors that played into that decision. Um, I think when you're at this level, you always have to monitor the the landscape because it's so volatile and changes all the time. From the first year we entered the NPSL, even before we played a game in May of 2017, when we joined the league, um, or when we were in conversations to join the league in the fall of 2016, I think there were uh, three or four teams that were in the conference then that didn't make it to kickoff of May of 2017. Um, and over three seasons, there was a lot of turnover, and we saw a lot of a lot of changes. And I, I think last year the big the big shift was Chattanooga deciding to you know move on to to NISA, move up a level. Um, and so we we kind of took the chance to to see what the landscape looked like and reassess whether the NPSL still served our best interest. And I think we saw in USL League 2 a really well-developed and dynamic um, region around us um, in the form of several conferences that, that we could have fit in. Yeah, I think we're kind of right on the line between a couple, and we would have been perfectly happy with either. Um, so, the, you know, the strength of the clubs was, was certainly one, uh, was certainly a factor. Um, and it was really timing and kind of forecasting where these where these things were going. We wanted to um, make the move at a time that put us in a position of strength. Um, we were in a position to do this on our terms, whereas, you know, if we had continued to wait, maybe we would not have been able to make the move on our own terms. Um, we had great conversations uh, with USL and they were very uh, candid conversations. We asked a lot of pointed questions, and we were satisfied with, with the answers that we got to those questions. And we really felt that it positioned us uh, to succeed well into the future. Um, so that was really the, the driving force behind that decision. It's, the, the landscapes are, are always shifting, and we feel that it's – I feel like a lot of clubs get caught up in – this the league discussion. I've always felt, you know, I, I feel the league is just simply a, a platform for us. My my concern is solely on the well-being of Asheville City Soccer Club, 
And right now, USL and USL League 2 provides us the best opportunity to succeed. Um, and there really wasn't an ideological aspect of the decision. It was very pragmatic um, and solely based around what is in the best interest of Asheville City Soccer Club for our players, our staff, the club's development, our supporters, really everyone involved. I think I heard in a, a different conversation you said something along the lines of don't let perfect get in the way of good. Um, and I think that's an extremely good way to look at this situation. So, Ryan, before I let you go, I know um, we have a mutual friend, Greg Cooper, and so I was wondering um, how funny is it going to be when Liverpool does not win the Premier League because they cancel the English Premier League season? I, I, I don't think you could have written a better script. Um, I don't either. Exactly, <laughs> exactly what they deserve. So, um, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, and hopefully maybe towards the end of the summer, um, we can reach back out and talk about the 2021 season. That sounds great. I look forward to it. Fantastic. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you very much. I guess that's why they call us the blues. Time on our hands could be time spent with Bruce. Drinking like tourists, yelling like drunkards. Scoring some sunners will win you over. And I guess that's why they call us the blues. You've been listening to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast. Shoot us an email at yoursmarterthanus at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Y-O-U-R-E underscore smarter.